God, I am reminded again of your faithfulness and your kindness to us. Even this week in hearing the report from Jerry about Miss Patty and just these last six years of praying and seeking you for healing. And uh, this week you have been showing us that and even more so this week and we praise you. It's not because of modern medicine. It's not because of anything the doctors did or didn't do. It's because of your kindness on her life and on their life. And so we praise you for that. We say the same for Miss Teresa, uh, that you have done the same for her. And God, even for us as a church, we've been praying for months and months and months that you'd bring us the right person uh, that would love uh, students uh, and love uh, lost people and have a heart uh, to make you known in this community. And God, uh, we are uh, beyond blessed uh, by the man that you are bringing to us. Uh, He uh, is exactly what we've been praying for, and we're so grateful uh, that you and your kindness uh, led us to him and him to us. And um, God, again, uh, thank you for the patience, and yet uh, it's through your kindness that you provided that for us. And now, God, we come to this portion of your word, your holy word, which is, is inspired by you. It is inerrant. It has no error. And um, God, therefore, it is infallible. And so we pray that you would open our eyes, uh, that we may see, receive, and hear from your text, and that we'd leave different this morning. And we give you all the praise and all the glory, and all of God's people said, amen. This morning, as you know, we've been journeying through this letter, the letter of James. James wrote this letter to uh, the, t- the 12 tribes uh, or the 12 tribes of Israel that have been dispersed all over the land. And he's reminding the Israelites and the, the, the Jewish people of their heritage, but also their call that God had called them to now in their new salvation. And so they've been began to wander away from their faith. And James is uh, just methodically moving them towards what it looks like to live out the faith that God has for them. And that's where we find ourselves here in this text. We're going to talk about this word faith. Seven times in this small passage, James uses this word faith. Faith is our assurance of what we hope for, but what we do not see. And so my question to you is this. And this is James' question to us this morning. What is genuine faith? Or what is saving faith? What is real faith? So that's the crux of the text that James is going to hammer home to us today. And so the question is to you, to me, to the church. What is genuine faith? And then do I have it? What is genuine faith or saving faith? And do I have it? This is one of those moments when I come to God's word and two things happen. The first is I'm like, this is why, uh, this is the reason I teach book by book, verse by verse. Just got to get to sections like this. And I'm like, man, I'd rather just skip right over it. This is one of those moments in the text that it seems like the Bible is going to contradict itself. That Paul's going to say this one thing about faith and James is going to say this other thing about faith. You see, Paul in his writings, he wrote most of the New Testament, says that faith is by grace and faith alone. 
And now we jump into James, and James says, oh, no, no, no. So it appears it is both works and faith. So our challenge is, what is true? So I'm going to answer that question in one way. Paul, in his writings, is talking about our faith pre-conversion. Before we come to know Jesus, our faith has been given to us by God apart from any works, apart from the work of Jesus on the cross. James is now going to say, once you have that faith that's been given to you by Jesus, you better do something with it. That your faith must be demonstrated by your works. What James is saying is, how can you have this faith, but it doesn't display any works at all? Therefore, do you really have the faith? There are so many people that claim to be believers, but they have no works attached to their saving faith. I would beg the question, if I told you that I am married and yet my lifestyle and how I live my life didn't look like I was married, wouldn't you begin to doubt if I was truly married or truly loved who I said I was married to? That's what James is saying to us. So the question we have to ask is, is simply our faith something that we pray to receive but have done nothing with it? James would say, and I would agree with James because he wrote part of the Bible, and the Bible is always true. I'm not always true, but the Bible is always true. What James is going to say to us is, you probably don't have saving faith. You probably aren't a true follower of Jesus if you do not have a faith that is accompanied by works. How come? Because James is going to borrow a lot of his older brother's material. He's going to, in essence, steal what Jesus said. This is what Jesus himself said on the Sermon on the Mount. He is saying to us, test your faith, have an examination of what you believe, And let's look at what Jesus said, how we ought to believe. This is what Jesus himself said, James, or Matthew chapter 5, 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, or let your work shine before others. Let what you do be seen by others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So James is saying what Jesus said is there is this faith that is going to produce works. Those works are good deeds or good works that will point people back to God. So when we have a faith, we do the works so that others will see the true faith that we have. So do we have a saving faith this morning? Remember what Jesus said at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount was spoken by Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, is talking to them about what it looks like to be in his kingdom, to be truly saved men and women. This is how he concludes the Sermon on the Mount. He says, let everyone then who hears these words of mine and what? Does them. It's not just hearing them, but it's doing them them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock 
The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall. How come? Because it was founded on the rock. Jesus continues to say, and everyone who hears these words of mine and what does not do them. He is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. It was great. The fall was great. Let us examine ourselves to see if we are truly Christ followers by the works that we do this morning. Let's examine ourselves. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He himself, the Apostle Paul, examine yourself to see whether you are what? In the faith. And then Paul will go on to say, we examine ourselves by our works. So I want to talk first, though, about the gift of saving faith. Then I'll talk to us about the illusion of a saving faith. And finally, this morning, I'll talk about the doctrine of saving faith. So the gift of saving faith is this this morning. It's going to go back to Paul. I'm going to move us to Paul out of James because we have to be sure that we have a saving faith first and foremost. This is what saving faith is. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. So it's the grace of God through faith that we have salvation. And then he says this. And this is not of your own doing. What's not of your own doing? Both the grace part and the saving part and the faith part. What Paul says is, your saving grace through faith is a gift from God. You, if you're saved this morning, it's a free gift of God that God would have given you the faith to believe in him for your salvation. He says, how come it's a free gift from God? It is not a result of works so that no man can boast. So what Paul's saying, there's nothing that you did or didn't do for your salvation or for your faith. It is a free gift that God gave to you. Do you believe that this morning? Here's what James says about gifts from God. In James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. So Paul says the gift that you have is not of your own. James says, well, where's that gift from? That gift is from where? From above. It's from God himself who came down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It is of his own will or his own desire, this is God, that he brought us from the word of truth. It is God who gave us the gift of faith that leads us to salvation. So this morning, my question to you is this. Have you received the free gift of saving grace and faith? Because if you're not a believer this morning, the rest of this text is pointless to you. It does not matter what the works you do or do not do. If you do not have the free gift of salvation that's been given to you by God. Now James goes on to say this. But there's this great illusion of saving faith. He says it this way. So that's the first part is James chapter 14. 
James 15 through 17 is the illusion of faith. He says this. This is the example that James will give about the illusion of faith. If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed, that means a Christian, a believer. If someone comes into this church, they're both poorly clothed and they have no food. And you notice that and you see that. And you see that they're poorly clothed, lacking in daily food. And then one of you, one of you, the believer in the room that isn't poorly clothed and has a lot of food, says to that man or that woman, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them a thing needed for the body. What good is that? Verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. So here's the example that James says will reveal if you have saving faith. The key word in this passage is this, the word, if someone says that they have faith. So anyone can claim to have faith, correct? And we see that everywhere. Anyone ever turned on a football game? You like they're like they I mean they say cross words out of one side of their mouth and then praise God out of another. Now I'm not here to judge, but I'm going to judge here for a second because Jesus tells us to judge, but I'm going to get there in a moment. Anyone can claim to have a saving faith. And there's a lot of people that claim to have saving faith, but have no faith at all. You, you see, it would be like this. Now I'm 6'2". I look like a basketball player, right? Now, if all I talked about was being a great basketball player and how great I was and I had a great shot and I could dunk and I could move, at some point, you're going to want to see that in action, right? Now, Ron, I, I could play ball. But I'm no NBA player. But if I told you I was an NBA player but never backed it up, you would begin to doubt if I truly knew how to play basketball. I mean, I can tell you how to fish and hunt. I don't even know how to put a hook on a line. Now, don't judge me. I'm a city boy. We don't go fishing. But I could walk through all the ways to load a rifle, to aim at a deer, shoot a deer, skin a deer. All I have to do is watch YouTube. It'll teach me that. But I have no earthly idea. If you guys took me hunting and said, hey, you're going to go hunting today, I would be terrified because I would have no idea what to do. I just wonder how often, though, that's true in our Christian faith. We say we have one thing. But without the practice of saying what we have, we don't really have what we say we have, do we? And that's what James is saying. And the way James is going to say that to these men and women in this church is, hey, you can see all the needs that are around you, and if all that you see doesn't lead to action, and it just leads the saying to, hey, good." basically what James is saying here is we're saying, good luck, may God help you. That's what the essence of the Greek is saying. Good luck. God bless you. How often do we say that to people? But we don't do anything to help bless them. And yet Paul says us we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Another way to say it is this. And you've heard it before. Talk is cheap, is it not? 
talk is cheap. That's what James is saying to us. We must do something about what we see and not just talk about what we see. Jesus will say it this way in James chapter 7. He says this, and this is where we are called to judge. I know people have said, well, we're not supposed to judge anyone. Jesus himself said, judge people. You know that in in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, you will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears what good fruit? But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, he says, this is the judgment comes, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now we have a sweet garden out there. And on first look, it looks amazing. But some of our poor little bushes aren't producing diddly. Now, I don't know why that is. I'm not a farmer. But on the outside, it looks great. But further examination, I don't think those tomato bushes are going to produce many tomatoes. At least some of them aren't. One of them just started dying yesterday out of the blue. Like, good gosh, like, what's going on? But this is what Jesus is saying to us about our own lives. We can look like a beautiful tree. But unless we produce what we say we are to produce, we're nothing but a beautiful tree that produces nothing. And Jesus says that tree will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so if people were to examine you, are you a beautiful tree that produces fruit? Are you a beautiful tree that's diseased that produces nothing? One of my mentors is one of the top guys at one of the largest citrus farms in the world. Now that, that's not like he's got a couple hundred acres. This guy's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres all over the world. And he produces uh, produce. He produces his main thing is celery. But they also are into oranges. Well, if you know anything about oranges, a couple years ago, orange, the orange prices went sky high. Everyone was like, what's going on? Well, when you went to the orchard, the orchard looked beautiful. It had leaves. It even had produce hanging off the tree. But the moment you cut into that orange that was hanging on the diseased tree, what happened to the oranges? They were rotted. So on the outside, again, it all looked good until you got to the real meat or the real crux of that fruit that the fruit was producing. And I wonder for us again this morning, is that true for us? Does our faith produce works? The last one is this. And James is going to say to us, This is the doctrine of saving faith. This is how you really know if you have saving faith. The doctrine is everything that we hold to in God's word. It's the essence of what we believe and why we believe and how we believe it. 
And so James is going to tell us this. And this is a terrifying passage when you look at it. This is verses 17 through 20. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is what? Dead. But some will say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now here's the terrifying passage of this text. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you not want to be shown, you foolish people, that faith apart from works is useless. Here's what James is saying right out of the gate. He's going to point at these Jewish readers to what is known as the Shema. The Shema would have been recited multiple times a day by the Jewish people. The Shema is found in Deuteronomy 6.4. And this is how the Shema starts. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And now James says, you believe that God is one. You, you believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. You believe in the doctrine of salvation. You believe in the doctrine of regeneration. All the doctrines that our Christian faith holds. James is saying, great, you believe all those things? Guess who else believes those things? The demons. So James is saying, you have great doctrine, but your doctrine is the same as the demons. So what is James talking about when he says those words? So what is the difference between us, the true believer, the saved believer with saving faith, and the demons that believe the same thing? Think of this as an illustration. Our salvation or our faith must look like an airplane. You ever heard this illustration before? Great, because I just made it up this morning, so you probably didn't. But think of your saving faith like an airplane. An airplane has to have, what, two wings to take flight. If you went out to get on a plane, and you're like, man, that's one beautiful plane. It's a jumbo jet, and it's got one wing. Would you get on the plane? No. And that's what James is saying to us. He's saying you have to have two wings. The first wing is true. You have to have proper doctrine, proper theology. A, a way to say that is you must have right orthodoxy. You must understand God's word to be true. But if all you do is have knowledge of God's word, then you only have one part of the plane, one wing of the plane. You see, the, the Pharisees had perfect orthodoxy. I mean, it was perfect. It was flawless. They held the law better than anyone held the law. They knew all 614 laws and kept them all. But at the end of the day, they didn't know God from Adam's house cat. Because knowledge of God is not saving faith. So there is a proper place to have proper orthodoxy, true doctrine, know what you believe, understand why you believe it. 
But then there's the other side of the wing, the other side of the plane. It's the other wing. It's called orthopraxy. You have to have right living. Like your life must demonstrate how you live. Now, again, here's the sad part. There's, there's a lot of people that do right living. Mother Teresa. Like when you think of Mother Teresa, you're like, man, that was a, she did everything right. She lived the right way. And on and on we can go. So Mother Teresa had great orthopraxy, how she lived her life, and her life was flawless. But she had poor orthodoxy. Now, you can have great orthodoxy, but if you have poor orthopraxy, you're no different. If you have great orthopraxy and orthodoxy, you have to have both. You have to have both right understanding of God and right living with God. Because when you have both right understanding of God and right living of God, then you have two planes and the plane takes off. But you have one way out the other. That plane is going nowhere. It's going to go in circles at best. And so James is saying to us, hey, you want to have right doctrine of your salvation? You must know what you believe and live what you believe. My fear for the American church is we know what we believe, but we don't live what we believe. We know God, but we don't live out what God tells us to. Now, I'm not saying you're not gonna, that you're going to be sinless. That's not what I'm saying, but is it a long obedience in the same direction? Because if all that you did is one day walk an aisle and pray a prayer, turn around and walk out, and nothing in your life changed except you took a five-minute prayer break, I would implore you to go look, man, do I truly have a saving faith? Because James is saying to us, if you have faith without works, it is what? Dead. It's dead. And so do we, do you, do I, and ultimately does this church have both faith and works? Because the, the, the flip side of this, we, we could go reach the community and, and evangelize through the community. But if we don't really believe what we're going to teach people, we're in trouble. Or we can sit in here and fill our brains with all the knowledge of God and do nothing with it. We're no better off. We, church, have to have both. We have to have a faith that is always at work. But do you truly know God? And does your life show what you say you believe? Because James will further on say this. We'll look at this again next week. That we must have a faith that is active through our works. Let me pray for us this morning.